Hi everyone, it's Kathy Ostupchuk and I'm your host for today's episode of the Her Influence Podcast. This is a really great day to be tuning in. You know, we live in a world where there is a 24-hour news cycle, even the most horrific and most uh, earth-shattering events that you think will stay in your mind forever fade away because there's something to replace them in the next 24 hours. But we found ourselves in a world where a couple of things are not going away for a while. One, of course, is the pandemic. And the other is the fact that Black Lives Matter. We are in a season where voices are being raised to talk about racial injustice. And this is not a conversation that has just a 24-hour cycle. This conversation will be with us for a while just because it's been under the surface of our collective consciousness for a while, for too long, really. And so now, now that this conversation is surfacing, we feel like Gather Women, and I feel personally too that we want to create space for this conversation, not only for our, our, our own good to lean in and learn from the lessons of the past and ask how we can do better, but also to honor our sisters and our brothers who have been living it with their own experience, what it's like to experience injustice because of color. Maggie John is joining us today. She's been a guest on our podcast before. Amazing woman, amazing, amazing. She's been on 100 Huntley Street. So if you recognize her name, you've seen her on TV. And now she has transitioned to hosting Context. And you can just follow her along. She's online. You can see her. You can see her great wisdom because she has also been posting a lot about this issue. She has um, (laughs) really used her voice and raised her voice in this moment, even though it's been with some fear and a little bit of shakiness. But she says one thing in the conversation with her today, and that's this. I've always had to prove the pain that I've gone through. And that is because we haven't always taken seriously what it's like to be her or to be black or to be a person of color. And by the we, I'm talking about me perhaps. And I want to lean in and learn what exactly it is to be a black woman in Canada in 2020. And she is one, so she can speak of that and we can give her the space to do it. And not only just speaking of it, but helping us with how we can be hopeful for the future. Maggie's got two strapping young men that she is raising and an amazing husband and she is thinking legacy. We need to do this for future generations. So I'm really glad that you are joining us. This is a conversation for now. This conversation came out of our true conversations, which we Facebook lived and it was so important and the questions so amazing, the conversation so great that we just knew that we had to offer this to you as a podcast. So please listen in, get your pen and paper handy, take some great notes. There's so much in this conversation that you are not only gonna write, wanna write down, but reflect on because you don't want this to go away. This is about equality. This is about being made in God's image, everyone. And this is about how you can learn to be part of the solution as I am learning. So we'll talk to you on the other side. Have a good listen. Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. 
The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3 with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk. Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Well, hi, everyone. I want to welcome you to Two Conversations. We have been so privileged to have this space open up to us over the last few months to welcome some of you into conversations that have to do with everything ranging from mental health to momming to finances Mm -hmm. (laughs) to everything that's helping us navigate this divine intermission, this time in the middle of where we were and where we will be. And, you know, we were just having this conversation with our amazing guest today, Maggie, before we started that, you know, this time has gone on longer than any of us may have thought. We thought, well, maybe by June, by July, we'll be out of it. But here we are in summer and we're still in it and it will take as long as it takes. But we, our energy is interesting in that we may not have as much as we thought at the beginning. So (laughs) it's waning with that we have even more change upon us than we had bargained for. Uh, Managing a pandemic, managing our responses, um, focusing on what is true, being positive is one thing. But then when we see the world rising with a voice that says, you know, injustice is really not acceptable. And there are voices that have been silent that need to speak. And this is that time. I know at Gather Women, of course, we've always had a focus on gender equality. We love the fact that we are half the church and we see the opportunities in the church to bring our full gifting. And that's a conversation that Mm -hmm. has been swirling around our tables and among our team for a long time. But we are also very aware that it's more than just gender that we need to be uh, allowing space to have a conversation about. Are we equal? (laughs) Are we equal among peoples, among cultures? Is there an inequality that has existed for far too long that perhaps we need to pay attention to and honor our sisters and our brothers who have a voice and some learning and and information and experience that we need to lean into and learn from. And so we're just so excited that Maggie John is joining us today. And really what the topic is, is being a Black woman in Canada. Obviously, I can't speak to that. And I can't even share third-hand stories about what that's like. We need to be creating space in this moment for Maggie herself to share a little bit about that. We have some questions for her. She is an amazing woman. She's been in our nation with a strong voice um, on media. You've seen her on Huntley Street and now she's currently the host of Context and I'll share a little bit um, more about her in in a second. But I also um, want you to know that at Gather, this has not been an easy thing for us to wrestle with where is our voice in this conversation? Because by advocating one thing, we may be seen to 
be diminishing another. Mm -hmm. And we're certainly not doing that, but we understand that in this space of now, we need to create space for this conversation. And so this is our third conversation when we are talking about racial injustice and we think it's important and we think that there needs to be more room created for this, more space created for it. And so we're just so delighted and honored that Maggie John has uh, mm -hmm. said her yes to mm -hmm. spending time with us today. So I'm going to put on my glasses here. I'm going to let mm -hmm. you know a little bit about the amazing uh, woman that's here with us today. She has been a national producer, field reporter, and TV host for more than 15 years. She covers a vast array of local, national, and international stories, reporting on some of the biggest news events of our day, from the 9-11 terrorist attacks, Hurricane Katrina in 2005, and the 7.0 magnitude earthquake that rocked Haiti in 2010, to the historic story of Uganda recovering from years of war. So mm -hmm. as former host on the longest running Canadian daily talk show, and that's where so many of us found mm -hmm. Maggie and have followed Maggie, 100 Huntley Street, she interviewed a wide array of guests, people from all walks of life, those making a difference in her communities, authors, victims of crime, actors, filmmakers, directors, thought leaders, politicians, and musicians. And I'm just wondering if in this next season of Maggie's life, um, <laughs> she is positioned, um, rightly so, perhaps to be a thought leader and help us uh, shape our thoughts appropriately in response to racial injustice. Maggie is most proud of the work she does with the charity that she founded in 2013. And I'm not sure if, if a lot of you know about this called the Baby Depot, which helps fight child poverty in the Hamilton area. She also serves as, as chairperson for the Meeting House Family of Churches and is also a member of GEMS Girls Club Board of Directors. She is the proud mother of Ethan and Joshua mm -hmm. and wife to her amazing husband, Elton. Elton. And I believe, did you celebrate an anniversary recently, Maggie? We did. We just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Congratulations. Thank and you. uh, you've got those, uh, your kids as next generation of warriors. So you are, um, you're functioning on all fronts here. So we're privileged to have you here with us today. And we are so also privileged to have a member of our GATHER team, Jacqueline Morrison, who's going to be facilitating our conversation with you. And we're just so delighted, Jacqueline, um, that you are here with Maggie being able to hold that space for us. And so let's just get this conversation started. And we can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. Maggie, it is a privilege to interview and to have this conversation with you today. And why I was excited about um, hearing that you were going to be on this call is that it's one thing to have a conversation, but it's another thing to have a conversation with someone whose voice, I believe, is a voice of integrity. And yes. so welcome to um, this conversation. Um, Maggie, you know that the issue of racial injustice has surfaced gradually and then suddenly into our collective consciousness. But now all of us are recognizing that this conversation is here and present. We are curious as to what has been your personal experience as a black woman in Canada. Yeah, so first of all, I need to just say that I have known Jacqueline Morrison for a number of number of years. She's 
know me since I was uh, what, maybe 18, 19 <laughs> years old. So uh, she was one of those mentors that helped me um, in my early walk with Jesus. So I think it's just so cool that God has just orchestrated this whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, and to hear you say those words, Jackie, means a lot to me. So thank you. Um, yeah, it has, um, it's been an interesting journey being a Black woman. I, I think, you know, there's so many things that I think as Black women in Canada, we could uh, say that we've all experienced. And then, mm. of course, we have our individual experiences as well that makes us unique and makes us different. Um, I have had some great opportunities as a as a black woman for sure but i've also i think been challenged as well um, to find my voice and I, mm -hmm. i've spoken about that before i think um, especially as a black woman um, in media in a spotlight um, i know that i don't just represent myself i represent a community that stands behind me um, there are very few of us, as you'll notice, on the airwaves, especially in Canada. And so one of the first things I heard when I stepped into uh, television from many people in my community was, um, I am so excited to see you in this spotlight. I am so excited to see something that looks like us. Um, you make us proud. And, uh, and that touches me every time I hear it, but it's also like, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to carry a community uh, with you because you know that you are um, stepping through doors that very few of us have been able to step in. You're sitting at board tables. Many, only a few of us have been able to sit sit at in board boardrooms. Um, and you're given a voice that not many of us are given. And so with that comes a lot of responsibility. Um, and I think of that scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. And so taking that very seriously, but also trying to find my own voice um, as well and knowing that I can't continue to carry a community uh, behind me, but I could be um, a fair representative of the multitude of voices that we are able to offer. And so that's always my prayer is that at the end of the day, um, what I carry with me is being a daughter of the King, a daughter of, of God. And so with that comes uh, the responsibility of being a Christian and making sure that my words are grace filled, that my words are hit, reflect him and reflect who God wants me to be. And so um, that has been hard. I mean, um, you know, there have been times when I've been followed in a, in a grocery store. I talk, I've spoken uh, often about an indigo that I don't live very far from. I call it the racist indigo because every time I go in there with my kids, I'm followed. We're just trying to grab some books for the boys and we're continually followed. So it doesn't matter that I am an anchor of a television show or I'm on TV. Um, these things still happen. Uh, my husband continues to uh, be questioned because he is a black man. And I know that as a mother of two young black boys, uh, and I know we'll touch on this uh, in a few minutes, constantly having the conversation more so now, um, especially with our older son who's 13, turning 14 in a couple months, about what does it mean to be a black young man in Canada and preparing him for, for that and just having honest conversations and watching the news and, and uh, following that up with conversation as well. So it's not easy, 
but I'm also, I also celebrate being a black woman, you know, like I think about like all the different shades that we see here on this call and, and so many more that are watching. And I think God created me this way for a reason. And I love my skin color. I love my melanin. Um, I love the worldview that God has given me and the stories he has given me. So I celebrate that as well. And I hope that in this conversation that we're having from a world perspective, that that's really what boils to the surface is that, you know, it's not about segregating. It's not about us versus them. It's not about othering. It's about like celebrating the differences that we bring to the table and saying, hey, there is room at the table for all of these different perspectives and all of these different um, ways and nuances that we see the world. And so I love being a black woman and mm -hmm. I, I love the fact that God has, has blessed me with this perspective. And I just, um, I'm excited to see what he does next in opening more conversations like this one, mm -hmm. where we can talk about the beauty of who he wants us to be. Absolutely. Love that, Maggie. And one of the things that we um, talk about at Gather and that's made me proud to be part of the community is about having harmony, and, but embracing diversity. And so I love um, your answer to that question. Um, we had a, a recent conversation with Akiwa Carmichael, a Black woman lawyer, and she shared that in her social life, as well as in her career, she's been left wondering, um, is it because I'm a Black woman when things have happened to her? Or is it because I'm Black and a woman that she's seen the different inequalities? What goes through your mind and what would you share personally um, in relationship to issues of inequality of both gender and race? And do you think it's a double whammy or does one trump the other? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I have at times thought, um, yeah, I have at times thought when doors have closed, is it because of my race? Is it because I'm a black woman? Um, I have seen uh, being in a room with other women who are not necessarily black or, or white women and how they have been chosen to be in certain conversations that I haven't been. And I've seen myself as an equal to those other women, but have been chosen to be not included in conversations. And absolutely, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to think it has to, has to boil down to my race. I don't know what else it would be. Um, so I, I mean, Yes. <laughs> um, is it a double whammy? I could look at it both ways. I could see it as definitely a blessing. You know, there are some stats that say, and I think this is interesting um, because we're in gather women, so we're all women, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of stats that show that white women still uh, dominantly get um, um, promotions and get paid more than black women do. That still happens today. Um, and so there's, you know, even though, and again, I'm not negating the fact that as women, period, we're definitely um, not see, not at the leadership positions that we should be at. We're definitely not at the, the, at the tables that we all should be at. But there's also um, a separation and a segregation when it comes to white women compared to black women. And so I continue to see that. Um, I've also, you know, I, I've grown up with two black parents who worked hard and came from the Caribbean. And my father would always say, and my mother as well, you have to work harder. And so that's always been my intent. I've always worked 
hard and I've always tried to work harder um, to get where I am. And so I see it as a double blessing because again, I, I, I never want to negate the fact that I've been given this seat and that God has blessed me in this position for a reason. And so I see it as a blessing being a black woman, but I also know in the world's eyes that if I speak up too much, if I, um, you know me, and most of you now know that I'm very opinionated, that I know that when I speak my opinion, when I am loud about what I believe in, that there are some people that will shudder at that because they're used to seeing uh, white women or sorry, black women as being either jovial and, you know, you know, kind of, uh, fun loving, or they see the opposite with the angry black woman, which we unfortunately saw with Michelle Obama was depicted a, a lot of. And I always say to my friends, I'm tired of being the angry black woman because sometimes I feel like that's how I'm depicted. Mm -hmm. If I share my opinion, whereas I've seen white women share their opinion you know, emotionally, and they haven't been necessarily painted with that brush. And so I'm always, I'm always so careful of that because I know that once I put on that hat and I say, you know, I've put down my foot about me, maybe it's, you know, the educational system right now. I just was writing about that and the de-streaming situation. And there are going to be some people that be like, oh, that's Maggie on the black agenda again. Oh, that's Maggie, the angry black woman. When I think I've been given a voice and I'm not afraid to use it. And so I take that knowing that uh, I might step into um, some areas where people are just not comfortable hearing. And again, there aren't many black women uh, in media. So again, when you don't hear those voices, and I'm talking Canadian media, when you don't hear those voices very often, um, it kind of draws people back as well. So I hope that even just the normality of hearing, mm -hmm. again, diverse voices will change that perspective. And just knowing that um, as a person, that if I, if, I raise, if I bring up an issue or raise an issue, that I can do it respectfully and, and that my voice is worth listening mm -hmm. to than anybody else's voice. Absolutely. And we are glad to have your voice and that um, you are sharing both perspective and the, I love what you say about it being a double blessing as well, because you are paving the way for those who are to come by them seeing you in the media. Um, you mentioned in your blog, Maggie, um, about Canada's inflection point, um, racism being systemic, and you spoke about society, justice, culture, and ethics. And we were honored to have that blog on our blog um, space for Gather Women. Um, but you say you don't shy away from controversies, but that conversations about them are never easy. And I think we identify. Um, in fact, your own voice has, time, has started to shake um, in dealing with these issues. Why is it so important now than ever to harness the skills to have the difficult conversations? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've really struggled with this moment in time because, and I think a lot of black people and people of color um, have struggled with this time because mm -hmm. we have been shouting that the house has been on fire for a very long time. The house is like down to its, you know, just the, the foundation almost, right? We have been shouting from the rooftops. And, and if you follow me on Facebook, you see, and I've posted, you know, so much stuff in the past. And so um, 
So with that, it's like you've been shouting and shouting and shouting. And finally, someone says, oh, the house is on fire. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, but, you know, now it's down to just the foundation. And so um, I've really... I've really tried, like I've been grappling with this time that we're seeing right now because, and I say in that blog as well, that I feel like we've, we've had to press pause on our lives in order to look up and realize Mm -hmm. that the house is burning down. Right. And so, um, I think it's, it's been an interesting time in all of us finding our voice. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us may be projecting it a little bit louder than we used to, but I think it's even more of a challenge for people who are, who are not of color um, to really uh, reflect on what they believe and, and also what they're seeing. I've had the pleasure of being in a couple of different um, small groups, uh, young small groups um, for my church, and uh, just doing some Bible, um, uh, some book studies. And to hear just um, where these young people are coming from, and this is the next generation. I love what you talked about, Jackie, about just you know opening the doors for the next generation, because that's really my heart, is being able to make room for other young people to come uh, after me. Um, and I have been so encouraged by the conversations I've heard from the next generation who are like, how do we do this? Like, how do we fix this problem? And so um, I'm seeing more um, action-oriented mindset than I've ever seen before. I'm seeing young people, especially young white people I'm seeing in, in the circles mm-hmm. that I've been in as well, who are saying, I am tired of my friends feeling like they are fighting this alone and I am linking arms and I'm joining them. And that makes me so excited because again, being, you know, have been a young black person and wanting my white friends to link arms with me and them just not seeing it or understanding it. I just think about the next generation, my kids, who hopefully will be raised in a, in a country, in a world where people say, this is not injustice to just black people. This is injustice to humanity. Mm. And I think that's when the conversation will change. I was talking recently about how even in our apology, we find segregation. We'll say, well, I'm sorry that this is happening to the Black community. No, that needs to change to, I'm sorry that this is happening to our world. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that this is happening to our people. Until we see ourselves as a collective, this is not going to change. And so the conversation continues to be, how do I continue to walk? with my brother or sister leaving the race card out because race is a social construct it was not created by god it was created by people and so when i am seen as a person and when i'm seen as you know if my husband is is hurt or my children are hurt that kathy or rebecca or caroline would or vanessa would see that and say you know what that was somebody that i care for as well. That's my neighbor that was hurt. That's the only way, Jacqueline, that we're going to be able to change the conversation is when we all raise our voices and say, this is a crime against humanity, period. Wow. Wow. Just makes me want to pause. And I love that, you know, you talked in this article about um, it's a time where these been an inflection point actually as well with the pandemic and with the issue of racial injustice, and it's sort of um, kind of converged. 
where we have to see that the house is on fire. Yeah. Everybody's had to pause to see that. And so, you know, you talk about now it's time that we have to press play on the hurt and the pain. Any thoughts on, you know, these two worlds changing realities, hitting us at the same time? Yeah. Pressing play on, on just the pain means that you're al- like, I am allowed to exhibit my pain. And so um, I've had hard conversations with friends who have um, said, who have asked me uh, why I have a chip on my shoulder. And that's hurt, you know, in the past. Um, I've had, you know, and I feel like I've always had to prove the pain that I've gone through. Um, and so I think if we are pressing pause on, you know, the grocery shopping and all of those things that we've had to press pause on, right? And meeting our family and and we all have our bubbles and all of those things. I feel like God is saying, look up, look up Mm -hmm. and see what's happening to your world. Again, if we use the analogy of of the house on fire, it's like, let's look up and realize uh, what's happening to our world, you know? And so um, that means allowing people to really express their pain. I know that some people, and I actually um, friends of of uh, Gather and a friend of yours, Kathy, Cheryl Nemhart, and as well, a friend of mine, um, has used this great analogy about um, just not putting a timeline on pain. And I love that because I think some people feel like, okay, time's up. You guys have, mm-hmm. you know, you've marched enough. You've spoken enough, you know, you've talked about this, that, or the other. Okay, now it's time to move on. And that's a part of, I think, it's a part of being in a 24-hour news cycle, right? 24-7 news cycle. It's just you move on to the next story. Well, this is not a news story. This is my life. This is our right. life. This is this is our, our existence. And so, again, it's embodying that and, and allowing people to um, sit in that pain um, to grieve just like we would anybody else, right? Like if you lost a loved one, you wouldn't tell the person to rush through the pain and to get to the other side. And so um, because the world is slowly awakening to the fact that this house is on fire, you have to think about the people who have been um, affected by the fire, mm-hmm. who have been soothing their wounds and uh, and trying to live through this with people not believing that they had the wound. Mm-hmm. And so I think a part of that is saying, yes, I want to hear about this so that I can learn. And that doesn't mean re-victimization. And I, I want to make that very clear mm-hmm. because one thing that I feel like I've been exhibiting is as I've had these great conversations and I'm so grateful for these conversations, a part of it is reliving um, pain, reliving victimization. And so I think I've gotten to the point where I feel like I can relive that. But for some people, they're still like walking that. And I still walk some of that as well. But I feel like, again, that God has given me some grace that I could share it. But that doesn't mean you sit down and you ask somebody to relive all of that pain. But it means walking with them through that journey. And I love to use that analogy because I think if you have a friend who is not of the same color as you, who does not have the same world experience uh, that you do, you're walking with them through that journey and you will experience the pain that they go through just naturally in walking that journey with them. And so once you experience that, again, um, that will give you a whole new insight into what reality is like for that person. And so, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, I never want to say that God created this pandemic. He didn't, but God, we've always seen through history, how God has showed us, um, 
life lessons and taught us things through really hard times Mm -hmm. and through really hard challenges and through strife and pain. And I feel like he wants to teach us things throughout this time. And he doesn't want this time to just go uh, void so that we, you know, we just end up back at the beginning of the cycle and another house is on fire. And so um, how do we learn from this? And it's going to be tiring, guys. It's not going to be easy. Um, hearing trauma and, and, and walking that trauma is never easy. But again, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I think that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Is it worth it for me to share uh, my experience if that means that I am leaving uh, a world that is healthier and better for my kids? Is it worth it for you to listen to that pain um, so that you can also leave a better world for your children as well? This is not just about the black kids. This is also about every other, you know, color of children out there that hopefully we want to live a, leave a better world for. And so I'm always, I'm always talking about legacy because I think that's, that's the end goal, right? Is how do we leave this world better than we left it? Mm-hmm. Wow. How do we leave this world better? Mm. Great question to ponder. And so that leads me into the next question, which talks about, um, you know, the side of history that we will see ourselves on based on how we decide to act in this moment. Um, you said, or you've posted, that by saying nothing, you are saying something. So what side of history will they say you were on? The safe side or the side of justice? And you say that this is not a time to be silent. This is a time for our voices to be heard. And so Maggie, today you're speaking to women all across our great nation um, a very diverse in some areas, more so than others. And so what would you say is important for women to know as to um, what to say, and even more importantly, how to say what they have to say? What do you need to learn? What do they need to learn or know before they speak? Yeah. Um, I remember interviewing the late Nabil Qureshi. Um, some of you might have remembered Nabil. He was uh, he worked at uh, RZIM and had written a number of great books. Had um, was a, a grew up Muslim and became a Christian. Uh, amazing, amazing story. And uh, I remember interviewing him on 100 Huntley Street and asked him like, "How do you how do you move forward? How do you um, you know?" connect with people of different faiths. And he said, don't make them a project. Like actually just get to know people. And I've never forgotten that because I think even in this instance, as we're talking about, um, you know, black, uh, anti-black racism and so forth, um, we don't want to be your project, right? We don't want to be projects, but we want to, again, enter into a journey with others. And so as you're looking at how do I speak, and I know there's a lot of fear in that. I mean, you know, I say in that blog as well, I, I, I enter into fear all the time. And, uh, and, and I think about, do I want to say this? Do I not want to say this? And, uh, and it's hard. It's hard speaking out about certain issues. Um, but again, I always go back to what, what is the world that you want to leave behind? And I will be honest. I mean, through this journey, I've had to unfollow some people. I've had to unfriend some people who, um, again, I have I've seen their true colors, unfortunately, and I've just felt like I don't want to be connected with 
those people. And again, love them. And they might be brothers and sisters in Christ. But I just have to think about my mental health and uh, what I want to see when I click onto Facebook or on Instagram. And so I, I would challenge as women um, to really pray about, about the, the silence that you might be sitting in and ask yourself why. Like, is silence just safety for you? Is it so that um, you keep certain friends, uh, but you believe a certain way? Or a silence out of fear? Like, why are you silent? And, uh, and again, I don't, I'm not urging people to say something for the sake of saying something, because I really believe in authenticity. And so I would hope that when somebody chooses to speak up, that it's from an authentic place and not from a place of, oh, I have to, you know, I have to say Black Lives Matter because that's what everybody else is saying. I don't, I don't think any of us want that. That's, a, that's, again, picking up a pet project. What we want is authenticity. What we want are allies who are authentic about their allyship who believe in um, a country and a world that truly echoes what it means to be equal, what it means to see humans as human. And so if you believe that, then I would say, you know, go for it. But I, I, I also recognize those who have been silent as well. And, uh, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard, especially if you've grown up with a uh, family who believe a certain way or, um, you know, a circle of friends that you've, you've entertained for a long time. But if you're a Christ follower, and this is something that I, I just feel like needs to be said, if you're a Christ follower that you need to be on the side of justice because that's who Jesus was. He was on the side of justice. And, you know, I think of, um, you know, the story in the Bible where Jesus was actually told to leave the village when he casted all of the demons into the swine and they ran into the water and Jesus was asked to leave the village. Um, uh, Daniel Strickland brought that up in our church a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking about that, but Jesus was asked to leave, like the Messiah mm. was asked to leave a space. And so when you're choosing not to enter into the side of justice because you're afraid of the outside influences, then I just question, um, have you, are you, and I, I hate to say this, but have you really been reading the Bible? Like, do you, are you really a true Jesus follower? I just, it's just a question I ask. And how do you interpret um, who Jesus truly is? Because when I look at my Bible, I see... Um, God on earth that walked the walk of justice every single day um, from a woman, you know, tugging on the hem of his garment uh, from, you know, so many examples of God seeing um, the, those that were marginalized and choosing the side of the marginalized. And so um, if it becomes a question of making your friends happy and siding on that, on the safe side, or choosing the side of Jesus, which is the side of justice, which is the side of the marginalized, which is the side of those who have not been seen in our world, which is mm -hmm. the side of those who haven't been considered uh, to be at, worthy of being at the seat at a table, then is that really worth it? Are you okay with leaving this world that way? Mm -hmm. I love that um, in that blog, you quoted scripture where James says, don't just listen to yeah. what the word says, but do it. Yeah. And I think sometimes we may read that and we would even quote it, but are we really doing 
what the word says. I love, I love that scripture. It's one of my favorite because uh, it just, you know, the man looking in the mirror, really. And, uh, and again, if you looking in the mirror and you walk away and you continue to do what you were doing before and you don't change, then, you know, and it's just a great reflection of our lives. It's like, how do we continue to change being molded, being shaped by the Holy Spirit? And it's just a, it's an everyday challenge. If you're happy with where you're sitting all the time, then are you really being changed by, by how God wants to change you and shape you and make you an agent of change uh, within your life? Because again, all of us have been put here on this earth for a reason. And it's not just to sit here and say, well, I know Jesus, but it's to actually um, mm-hmm. impact and change our community the way that Jesus would want us to. Wow. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. Right. Man. So basic, right? But so hard at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when we say our neighbors are not like us, right? right. So yeah. who is your neighbor? Yeah. Anyone that God brings across our path. So Maggie, we have two seemingly opposing questions that we want you to answer. Okay. So what makes you angry and what gives you great hope? Mm. Um, what makes me angry? I think what makes me angry is not being heard. <laughs> Hence the reason I chose the, the industry that I'm in now. My husband will tell you, if, he, if, I, if I'm talking and he doesn't listen, he's not listening because I can totally tell when he's not listening. I'm like, are you not listening to me? I hate not being heard. And so I think that makes me angry. And I think heard is different from uh, agreeing. Like, I don't want people to just agree with me for the sake of agreeing with me, but I at least want people to hear what, I'm, what I have to say. And then choose if you agree or disagree, and we could have a good conversation about that. But um, I think I've also, because I've sat in places where people haven't heard me and I've boiled up with frustration, and God has helped me through that journey, ladies. He has helped me. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's just not being heard fully. Um, you know, Oprah, Oprah once said she did an interview with Bloomberg um, uh, some years ago, and she said, you know, be it Barack Obama or, you know, she alluded to an interview she did with a, a man who had, um, I think, killed his children or something. She said they all, it all comes down to the same point. People want to be heard. And she said at the end of every interview, people will turn to her and ask her, did that make sense? Did you hear me? Did that, does, does that make sense? Because people at the end of the day just want to be heard. They want to be understood. And, uh, and I've always taken that as an interviewer um, because I feel like my job as an interviewer is to, be, is to help to be a catalyst to help people tell their stories. And so if I can be heard um, and if I can help others be heard, I might not uh, necessarily agree with them. And I don't always agree with the people that I interview but I can at least hear them and consider what they're saying and then maybe challenge. But I think that's the key to most of us. We just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other question? What makes you, so not being heard. And I wanted oh. to comment on that a little bit because one of the things that I would say to my husband and it's um, different people have said this in different ways about just what being heard is like um, for an individual because we intuitively, I don't know if it's just as women, but we sense and we know when we're heard. Yes. And so I'll oftentimes say to my husband, if I'm not feeling heard by you, it's like being suffocated. So being heard is needed to have that breath 
you know, to live. And so that's how important um, being heard is um, to us as women and just as humanity mm-hmm. to be heard. So I love that. Um, the next question I wanted to ask was, you know, what gives you great hope? Mm-hmm. Hope, yeah. I, uh, I think it's, it's seeing this next generation. I think that what's, that's what really brings me hope. Again, as I said, I have had the privilege of being in a couple of different small group experiences, especially lately, um, having conversations about race, uh, a book study on Trouble I've Seen, which is a great book if you haven't read it yet. Um, and to hear just how uh, this next generation is really taking uh, what's happening personally and, and seeing this as a challenge that they um, are not taking lightly just gives me so much hope. It gives me so much hope. And especially from a Christian perspective, right? And so knowing that these young people know Jesus and truly want to follow him and truly want to follow the justice of who he uh, wants us to be um, as justice fighters um, just gives me so much hope that that things will change. I, again, I think about my my own kids as I prepare them for the outside world and knowing that it could be slightly different. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, not naive and I know that racism is not going to be solved in anybody's lifetime, right? Um, we look to heaven and we know at, in heaven that there will be so much great unity and beauty in that. Um, but I, I'm hopeful for the changes that we can hopefully slowly start to see. I think about the late John Lewis and the fact that while he fought so hard um, against anti-Black racism, that he died seeing so much change mm-hmm. than where he started. You know, I, I just think he must have been so happy. And, and knowing that there was still so much more change to go, but knowing that he had, you know, hit a little dent in the process. Um, that's what we hold on to is that hope for sure. Great, Maggie. What hope that we do have. Um, you have two boys. And even as you talk about the next generation, um, I see them as being part of that generation that is ushering us into um, even greater hope for the future. What are some of the things that you may say to them um, based on the fact that we do live in a world where there is so often um, injustice. Yeah. Um, well, recently I just wrote an, a blog about the whole de-streaming uh, conversation. And for those of you that are not aware of this story in Ontario, at least, um, the education minister has now announced that in grade nine, they will stop uh, streaming. And streaming basically is um, you have an applied stream and um, oh, what is the other one? Just academic okay. stream. <laughs> and, uh, and so what they had found was through studies that a predominantly larger amount of black students were put in the applied stream. Now applied means that you would go on a stream towards college or um, you know, just the trades or go right into the work field, the work, and then the academic stream would be you go into more post-secondary university, higher learning. And so a lot of black students were uh, being put into the applied stream, not really knowing that they were basically streamed out of any sort of more post-secondary higher education. And this actually happened in our home. Uh, We saw that Ethan was uh, given a list of uh, applied courses and and we thought 
nothing of it. We thought, okay, well, I guess he'll have to work a little bit harder to get up to the the academic stream, but we, you know, we'll work on that. And he's had a tutor for a while. And so we showed the uh, course list to our tutor and she said, well, I think Ethan could do way better than this. And I actually think he is capable of being in the academic stream. And, uh, and she said, she basically pointed it out to us and said, you know, unfortunately, a lot of kids are kind of put into this stream with no sort of way out. And it's harder to get out of, ac- or out of applied into academic than vice versa. Well, we didn't know this. And so we thought there would be a way that Ethan could work really hard and he could get into academic. And, you know, Ethan's 13. He has no clue what he wants to do. Like any 13-year-old boy, he's still <laughs> grappling with what, where he wants to go and what he wants to do. But it showed me in a personal microcosm way um, the systemic issues that we still face, right? So here, here he is at 13, never asked by his teachers what he wants to be. Um, you know, and again, has no clue, but still, um, but being forced to choose the path to his future at 13 years old. I don't know about you, but I didn't even really know what I wanted to be at 13. And so as we see the systemic problem and it's being uh, highlighted even more that more black kids are kind of funneled out of the system. Um, again, it just shows that we have a problem. So we've had conversations about this as it's been in the news even more with Ethan just saying, the same conversations my, my parents unfortunately had to have with me. You have to work harder. You're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to prove yourself. You know, you're, while your friends can do this and that, and they might be able to get away with it, you're not going to be able to get away with it because you're a black young boy. And there are going to be teachers when you walk in there, and our tutor even said that, that make assumptions right away. And this is, I mean, our tutor is a white woman, right? And so she even sees the systemic issues. And she said, you know, teachers make assumptions when, when kids come in. And unfortunately, it's not just on your marks. And so knowing that, you know, my son is walking into classes with, you know, again, walking into systemic issues just, again, shows the reason why we continue to have these conversations. Right. So I, I continue to, we, Elton and I continue to have these conversations with Ethan about, you have to work harder. I know you really want to talk to your friends, but you can't. But so-and-so is talking to his friend. Yeah, but you know what? You're the black, you're usually the black, the only black kid in your class. You can't do it. I'm sorry, bud, but you just can't. Like, these are conversations, again, that I feel like are so unfair. But if he's going to survive, if he's going to uh, be successful in high school, they are hard conversations that we've had to start um, pouring into. Mm-hmm. And by having those conversations, you're really preparing them to be part of that um, next generation, the ones that are going to really be able to see even more than what we've seen and ushering hope. So absolutely love that. And thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm a mom with three boys as well. They're grown now. And so I know that this speaks to and will speak to a lot of um, Black mothers across the nation um, if they've not been aware of some of the things that are happening systemically, even in our educational system. So thank you for sharing that. And we have one final question for you today, Meg. So if you were to give a final word of encouragement um, to those who are watching and those who will be listening to us today, what would it be? How can we all collectively do better? Mm, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I think all of us as, as Christ followers, we know that we can only do better through the strength of Jesus Christ, right? Um, 
we we fail every day and we get back up and by his grace by his grace we keep walking right and and the bible talks about being imitators of christ and so we try to be imitators of him every single day um but i would encourage you as my sisters um to step into the uncomfortable step into the uncomfortable and i know it's hard i i was saying uh recently that um, I kind of like the uncomfortable because it keeps me on my toes. Um, and so I know when I feel uncomfortable about something that I have to walk into it because usually that's like God nudging me because I would like to just sit and just watch the world pass by. But, um, sometimes the uncomfortable is where we need to go and it's where Jesus is and he wants to stretch us. He wants to challenge us. He wants to uh, mold us and shape us. And he wants us to stand for justice. And that will always, I'm telling you, it will always feel uncomfortable because it means going against the grain. It means uh, going against culture. It means being countercultural. Um, but it means siding on the side of Jesus. And so uh, whatever that means to you. So I'm not going to say, you know, post Black Lives Matter for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm going to say. But I'm, I, I would just challenge you to not be afraid of the uncomfortable um, because usually that's where Jesus is and he wants to stretch you and, uh, and you'll see yourself grow. And probably a year from then, you'll look back and say, I used to be really afraid of that. I used to be a re- really afraid of stepping into that area. And now it's just uh, a place of comfort. And then he'll move <laughs> you to another place of, of, of uncomfort. Trust me, it will happen. But it's only for our best. He wants to stretch us and he's always there with you. And so I can sit here today knowing that I have uh, walked in some uncomfortable places and continue to do so. Um, But I know that he is with me. And that's the only way that I stand in in some sort of uh, resolve is knowing that God is with me in those uncomfortable areas. Wow. And because he is with us, we can take the risk um, to be stretched and to grow. Thank you so much, Maggie, for encouraging us that, you know, it's as we step out of our comfort zone that we are going to see growth and really step into um, this future place where hope abides. It's where Jesus lives, actually. (laughs) He lives there. And so I thank you for um, chatting with me today. Thank you, Jacqueline. I love seeing you and being (laughs) with you. Kathy, I just want to turn that back over to you. Thanks so much. That was such a powerful conversation. What I loved about it, Maggie, is that it was so real. Mm. And it's your experience. And it's in Canada. It's what's what's in this soil. And when you said um, that your sons are walking into systemic... (laughs) racism I think wow why can we not leave a world where we all walk through the same door with the same opportunity it's unconscionable to think in 2020 that that's your reality so that was my aha moment Mm. and I think you've inspired us all to say we need to do better and we can do better so thank you Um, I wanted to invite Vanessa Hoyce she is from Montreal and she has come alongside us in so many ways at gather in empowering uh, the next generation and she's pastoring with her husband a very multicultural church and I would love her to pray for us um, against and 
everything that we've been talking about and for hope in the future. So Vanessa would so love your prayer at this time. That's it'd be an honor. And I was just thinking about Jacqueline who's hosted today and her sons, my daughter's out um, visiting with one of her sons today and her son just preached on Sunday in our house. And so just beautiful legacy in that family as I know and sense and just feel so strongly to encourage you is, is coming through your family to Maggie. And so I'd love to just pray over you first and um, we'd love to pray with you and for you and then over this message. So do just join me in prayer. And Lord, I just thank you for Maggie's time as she's even lent in today and shown up in the middle of a vacation. Would you please just take this space that she's poured out again and would you just pour back in in even just new and fresh ways over her soul? Would you just pour into her soul in a way that is supernatural that would feel like it is even vacationed for longer than shorter? I pray over her family who she's with. I pray over those sons that she is raising up. And I too declare that it would stop in this generation. And I pray not only for people of colour to come alongside and, and be solution, but would you bring every ally of every single nationality and culture alongside this solution, God, even in the education system here in Canada? Would people call this out when they see it and not just call it out, but bring new solution and new pathways, I declare, even for our education education system and Lord where there's been a, a, a cutting off even or just a, a, a need to have safe people in Maggie's life as I declare over many people listening to this call now or later would you fill those places first of all with your presence and then would you fill those places with new people new friendships friendships that are about moving forward and allies and destiny and a new way that we are going to create together. I pray those friendships would even bless in new ways and surprising ways in people that have needed to make the change and be and create safe spaces. So would you enrich us in new ways with those new kingdom-minded, justice-oriented friendships. And Lord, I particularly pray over Maggie's voice and then over every single person listening. I pray that her voice would get more clarified, louder, stronger. It would be less effort that needs to be applied to where the strength is meant to go and where the influence is going to be. I sense over her life and many other people listening that there is um, new, new ideas that are forming where she's asking, would this be the right time? Could this happen now? And I pray that as she explores that with you, she would have the courage to step into one or two new platforms that I believe you're inviting her into that would require another step of courage. And for many others listening, I pray the same over their voices. And I pray that our collective voices together would see justice executed on earth, that kingdom would come and heaven would invade our earth in these spaces and places 
Thank you for courage today. Thank you for authenticity and vulnerability. And I just pray your blessing, God, over this nation. Would Canada be on the forefront of new pathways? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Rebecca, is there any housekeeping you would like us to be aware of? Um, I think that I, we've covered everything. This will um, be uh, on Facebook Live. Feel free to share this. This has been such a great conversation with so I think information that really everyone needs to hear. So feel feel confident to share it from our Facebook page to your circles and your communities. The more people who are part of the conversation, whether it's today live or after, that's really what matters. So let's let's expand this conversation moving forward. This will also be a podcast episode, so you can listen to it over and over again and just continue to, to sort of sit in the gems of wisdom that we've had today. So um, I'm going to stop the the live now, um, but feel free to stay on um, as we wrap up. Yeah. So again, Maggie, thank you so much. Uh, this was incredible. And thank you, Jacqueline, for facilitating uh, that conversation with Maggie. So grateful for both of you and for the next generations that are following you and the sons that you're raising. Um, we, I pray with Vanessa and Vanessa, that was such a powerful prayer that if we can pray with hope that this generation now and, and the one for tomorrow will be the one where this this stops. And God has the power to make all things right in his time if he so wills it. We want to continue this conversation in the months to come. So everyone that has joined us today, please stay engaged with us at Gather. But thanks so much and God bless you. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Yeah. This was definitely a blessing. Appreciate wow. It. I love that you're so opinionated. <laughs> this is a good, this is good. I mean, I can't, I mean, I can't believe it. Honestly, I can't believe it that, yeah, I just can't believe it that we could be living in the same country. And I don't think of the things that you experience on a daily basis or mm -hmm. the, the things that your sons do because... Yeah, so I I really want to create as much space as I can, and um, you're welcome in. You're welcome anytime. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, we just want to. Well, I mean, Kathy, but I I don't know what it's like to be a white woman, right? So I mean, I, I think a part of it is we will never understand each other's realities, but making room so that we can speak about our realities unapologetically. So I think that's where the barrier has been put up at times, right? Because I haven't always felt safe to have honest conversations with my white girlfriends because they just don't understand. And I get the question of, you know, well, was that really racist or was that, you know, and, and so when you're always trying to explain yourself, you kind of get, you grow tired and weary of it. So I think a part of one of the first steps is just breaking down that wall so that you know, if I had a conversation with anybody that they wouldn't, again, it's not about agreeing. It's about um, just hearing and being mm -hmm. heard. Like, I love what you said, Jacqueline, about when, you, when, you're, when you're heard, there's like almost a position you take, like you kind of just relax again, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. not always feeling heard just brings up more anxiety and builds up more fences. And so I think even as women, um, I mean, I will never understand Jacqueline's reality and we're both black women, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But if we can create a space where it's safe to have those conversations, where there's empathy, 
where there is a sense of hearing, then we can only move forward instead of creating almost um, scapegoats or questions or, well, did this really happen? But that doesn't help the conversation at all. And that's sometimes, unfortunately, what I've run into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Couldn't say it better. I look at surveys and, and studies that are being done in not-for-profit organizations. And um, I remember not wanting to share the survey with staff because I was the executive director and the um, survey talked about how women in particular in not-for-profit organizations, Black women or Indigenous women, how they're treated if they raised you know, to a certain level and that they would inevitably leave. And I thought, I can't show them this, you know. Um, but it was so trying to feel comfortable to have those conversations. And one of the things that I believe that um, this season has brought about is um, white colleagues being leading in and saying, I want to understand. Whereas before, they would say, no, I don't think when you speak loudly, you're being aggressive. You're being assertive. But that's not really the bottom line, you know. I'll have women that I've worked with who would be loud and, you know, just exuberant. But when we're in a room together, I don't have the permission to function that way because it's just seen as something different, you know. So I really believe that um, having the platform that you do, Maggie, um, does give you um, permission to share your opinion because I believe that you're doing it with grace. So thank you. Thank you. I don't always feel that way, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you grace. saying that. But, uh, but no, I think I've just, I've just, I've just made space for myself and I've, yeah. I think I just have to do it that way because I, at the end of the day, I feel like I have to be true to who God has called me to be. And that's not to be disrespectful always to do it with respect, but um, not being afraid to voice my concern or um, just how I feel about something. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times people just don't know. No. I mean, I, I have so many, um, and I'll just make this last comment, um, friends, in fact, I've grown up probably more in a, um, my settings have probably been more with Caucasians and especially this last season of life. And um, they really don't, some of them is just ignorance in terms of they don't know. They don't see me as being different. I'm not treated any different from the, the friends that they have around them. So there are times where it's just not, as you say, live in other people's realities. People just don't know. Mm -hmm. So I love what um, Brene Brown talks about. Sometimes we're doing the best we can. And so when we get new information, as they say, mm -hmm. you know better, you do you better. You do better, yeah. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, it's that. Yeah. I, this was so great. I was talking with Rhonda a few weeks ago about, um, I'm always apologizing for me, like Beth Moore hair and, and this age <laughs> I'm in and, you know, cause both parents came from the Ukraine and I, mm. I feel, you know, but I, I feel like I have to apologize cause I'm in the most multicultural city in the world outside of uh, Istanbul and I look like this and it's like I don't want to look like this because I feel like I get you know I get assumed that I'm one way but I'm not I'm not experiencing the pain 
of it. And so I'm hoping that, you know, you will, you will drink the Kool-Aid of gather that we always say once you've I love it. connected with us, drink we do Kool-Aid. not let you go. You are here. We, yeah, we're just, we're just in it together. And I, I think to Vanessa's prayer, which is quite prophetic, actually, Vanessa, I don't know what's next, but mm. I do know that you are positioned very strategically in mm. our nation. So um, we're leaning in and, you know, we're, we're leaning in. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. I just want to encourage you. I mean, it takes a lot of boldness to create a space like this. So um, I celebrate who you are and what you look like and your blonde hair and yeah. everything because, again, you are, you're able to do things that maybe some of us can't. God has positioned you in the space so that you can do this and that you're, you're not selfish, but you've opened the doors for others. And so I applaud you in just, uh, again, opening doors and being a way maker in that way. And uh, so thank you. Thank you for creating a safe space for many women to just be themselves. And I think that that's, that's God and that's you saying yes. So can we all just be ourselves and not apologize? <laughs> you know, like, oh, the thing yeah. Is been, right? we're always, uh, we're always nitpicking at ourselves. It's just what we, we are. Do. Yeah, but I, so I that's also good. a reason why I'm so passionate about gems and I just joined their board yeah. here and I don't know if you ladies know about gems, but yeah. um, this is the next generation of young women. Right. And yeah. they are hearing about Jesus and learning to follow him. And uh, many of you probably know this stat that by the age of nine, most young, most girls peak at their their self-esteem levels, right? So you think about how important girls' ministry is. And I don't have girls, but obviously I am one. And so I know just how important it is to have good influence, um, mentors, and just women who just speak life into you. And so, and we need that even as we grow grow older, right? So um, I just, I love that ministry and I I love what they're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. So good. My girls... uh, grew up with gems and so yeah Mm. yeah it's girls everywhere meeting the savior that's what it stands for right so yeah i mean we've talked we've dreamed about gather girls and we've dreamed about uh what the future holds but uh if we i know bobby houston's um vision for sisterhood was i don't know if you remember vanessa it's like the older woman sort of encircling yeah you know the next generation is that it yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah so So yeah i think vanessa's also brought the the phrase to us like just joining together in friendship and in cause and so great things can happen with that collective voice so yeah excited yeah this was a god moment thank you so as i've listened to maggie share her story and share some great truths, actually. I love how she said near the end that we need to learn to be comfortable stepping into the uncomfortable. So maybe not learning to be comfortable, but learning to be uncomfortable is more like it. We have always played it safe, and we can no longer choose to do that. When she is so brave to share her story, uh, she is actually repeating this victimization Uh, and wondering, is it worth it? And so it's a very brave thing for her to step into this conversation, to lead the way in this conversation, and not shy away from it. And so we honor Maggie for that. We honor Maggie for her time with us. 
we are leaving a better world behind us and that and ahead of us. And I think that's the word is that this is all about legacy. We can't leave the world (laughs) that is broken in so many places until we're unified through our diversity, until we have harmony through our diversity. So I'm grateful that you chose to be with us today on the podcast. I'm grateful that you chose to lean in to Maggie's story, her message, her truth. This is happening not just to us here in Canada, not just to certain, you know, women, certain Black people. This is happening in our world. This is a global issue. This is a global problem, and we want to be part of the solution. These conversations matter, and it's important to me as lead catalyst of Gather that we have made our stake in the ground, that we have said we showed up in this moment, and we created space for it. And we were in a learning mindset. We don't have all the answers, but we invite our sisters to the table to share with us. And we take a very humble posture. We have open hands and we say we're better together. So thanks for joining us today on the Her Influence podcast. We hope that you stay connected with us at Gather as we are here to connect, equip, and mobilize you girls from all across the nation. We see you. We love you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.